This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Sunday, November 8th, was a beautiful mid-fall day in Glens Falls, New York, as authors began arriving for the annual Chronicle Book Fair at the spiffy Queensbury Hotel in downtown Glens Falls. It was the 20th edition of the Autumn Leaves Book Fair. Authors kibitzed about the weather. Maybe the good weather would keep people away. Maybe they'd be raking leaves or touring the countryside instead of coming out to the hotel. But when the doors were open to the public, the crowd was there. Uh, this is Bob Cudmore, and we're at the Chronicle Book Fair, uh, which is really a big event for history authors and others. We're talking with Kathy Deedy from the Chronicle. Uh, first things first, what's the Chronicle? The Chronicle is the alternative weekly paper here in Glens Falls, and we cover um, Warren, Washington, and northern Saratoga counties, and then beyond. And you have this big book fair every year. How, were, have you been with it since the beginning? or? I have, yeah. This is the 20th year for the event. We started out in downtown Glens Falls in a few empty storefronts. And that was sort of the impetus to do it was to let's fill the storefronts at least for a day, have a lot of fun, bring in a lot of books. We probably had two dozen people here that first year. Now we're up to 20 years. We've all those storefronts are now filled, yay, for downtown Glens Falls. We uh, were up at SUNY Adirondack for a couple of years and outgrew that space, and now we've been at the Queensbury Hotel for the greater portion of the event, yeah. And now, sorry, we have probably about 100, and 100 or to 120 presenters. That's for the uh, 2015 Chronicle Book Fair, and it's again held at the uh, Queensbury Hotel. Quite a few history authors, I would say. Yes, that is the case. A lot of people here writing about local history, yeah. What else? Oh, my gosh, we have everything. We have books about hiking. We have hunting. We have children's stories. We have a lot of fantasy, memoirs, poetry, cookbooks. You name it, somebody's probably written a book about it around here. Kathy, thanks very much. Oh, thank you very much, Bob. The Daily Paper in Glens Falls, the Post Star, covered the book fair in an article by Bill Toscano. Kathy Deedy told the Post Star she was impressed by the quality of this year's self-published books, Quote, it's not a vanity press thing anymore, Dee Dee said. The Post-Star article focused on history writers, including David Fisk, who will join us later on the podcast. Fisk is co-author of Solomon Northup, the complete story of the author of 12 Years a Slave. Matt Rosell has written The Things Our Fathers Saw, the untold stories of the World War II generation from hometown USA, Voices of the Pacific Theater. Nikki Karofsky, senior editor at Adirondack Life magazine, was selling her book, Adirondack Outlaws, Bad Boys and Lawless Ladies. Radio host Bill Caligero was selling his book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to the Baddest Man on the Planet. Caligero's book describes the 1810 bout between Molino, a former slave, and Tom Cribb for the English boxing title. Another very popular history author that we caught up with at the book fair and had previously interviewed on the Historian's podcast was Larry Gooley of Champlain, New York. Larry Gooley is here, author of uh, great books about the Adirondacks. This is probably the most popular table I've seen. Your, your new book about the Danamora uh, prison escape is really a hot seller. Yes, uh, we weren't really sure how it would be accepted because people see the two guys on the cover and they're tending to think the first few thought maybe this was just about them, but they're just the first chapter. 
I, I was already working on a book about Dannemore earlier this year, and I was looking at escapes, and I was looking at profiling many of the famous prisoners and writing about the tortures. There used to be state-sanctioned tortures they actually had at the prison. And then these men escaped, and that gave me chapter one. So it became so popular, I said, well, we're going to try to pull it off. And it was just a few days ago, actually, we came up with a few copies. Really? Because I, I, I didn't know this was out, so it's just out. It's out today, yes. Uh, I did a 43-hour shift last weekend, and Jill did most of that herself, too. And, and she produced some of these. We will have a, a larger printing very soon. But she she did these that we have here today. Um, yeah, it was quiet for the first few minutes, but yes, we've been swamped since then. Very nice. Well, I don't want to take you from your fans, but uh, good luck with the new book, uh, uh, Larry Gooley. And, and you're certainly well-known for all the other books about the Adirondacks. Remember talking to you about Robert Garrow? Oh, yes. that's, that's We sold some of those again today. And the uh, 25 Diabolical Adirondack Murders. People are loving that one as well. Uh, Oliver's War is taken off again recently. That was kind of a surprise. Fracking people like it for some reason and anti-fracking people. So we're not sure what's going on there, but we're happy to be selling the books to them. Well, thank you, Larry. Well, thank you very much. And who should we find at the uh, Chronicle Book Fair but Don Papson, uh, who, uh, along with another gentleman whose name eludes me, I believe, uh, is the author of Secret Lives of the Underground Railroad? Uh, Yeah, my co-writer is Tom Calarco. Okay. And he's written several books on the Underground Railroad. We collaborated on this one for the first time. And you are quite an authority on that. You've written a number of books on the Underground Railroad. No, actually, this is my first one. Really? Uh, yeah, Tom's written a number of books, but oh, this is my first uh, first oh. time out. I'm sorry, I had the, I was thinking the other author, yeah, Tom Calarco, who started, I believe, as a, a newspaper reporter in this community yes, here in Glens right. Falls. Uh, but you had a specific interest because the community you live in, uh, maybe, well, tell us why. There was a, like a local connection to your home or where you live? Uh, well, we, we, we live in uh, Clinton County, and there was a lot of Underground Railroad activity in Clinton County. And uh, I'm the founder of the North Country Underground Railroad Historical Association, and we cover the whole North Country area. We have a museum at uh, Osable Chasm. And uh, Tom heard about a record of fugitives that had never been uh, published, and he persuaded me to uh, work with him on Secret Lives of the Underground Railroad in New York City. So our book is about New York City, but it's really about the network throughout the state, Mm -hmm. um, uh, across the central part of the state primarily. Um, It's full of wonderful stories and uh, over 200 stories of people who were assisted in New York City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, And this record, as I said, was never published before, so it's... This is the first record of fugitive published in 142 years. Well, Don, thanks very much, and good to see you. You're welcome. Thank you, Bob. Well, here we are between customers at the uh, Chronicle Book Fair in Glens Falls, the Queensbury Hotel, and old friend uh, Jim Labatt is here, native of Amsterdam, and they uh, you write uh, fiction about Amsterdam, the Amsterdam area, and they put us at the same table. What a great coincidence. Good morning, Bob. Good to see you. How you been? I'm doing okay. Good, good. And uh, how are your books doing? Tell us a bit about your books. I write primarily fiction. The first two books I wrote, Let's Go Gales and Mickey Mantle Day in Amsterdam, were for young adults. And then the next two that I did, Things I Threw in the River and My Teacher's Password are for general audiences. And you have been an English teacher. You still are. You were at, uh, where, where do you teach? I teach at Hudson Valley Community College in Troy. I work as a writing specialist in the writing center, and I also teach uh, courses during the evening, Composition 1 and Composition 2. Like that one uh, work of fiction you mentioned is kind of based on a a teacher at a community college, right? Yes, my teacher's password. The whole idea is that the teacher accidentally gave away her password, and one of the students got a hold of it, and the temptation is whether or not he would uh, use it and get into her personal affairs, and 
Well, needless to say, he's a somewhat foolish young college student, and he did get into her personal affairs. Now, some the other books or some of them that you've done do relate to Amsterdam's like recent history. I mean, what what do you what moves you about the way you know? Obviously, Amsterdam was an industrial city; it went into decline. Uh, some say you know it's starting to come back now. Others say, well, n- not really. I mean, what what? How do you extract uh, fiction from that? I guess just having grown up there, having a uh, just a great youth, growing up in the fifties and sixties, just so many fond memories that I find myself thinking about uh, that time and that place often and uh, just a comfortable place to set my stories and my characters. Well, Jim Labatt, best of luck. Thank you so much. Same to you, Bob. And who should we see at the Chronicle Book Fair but Sheila Myers? We've uh, had her on our uh, podcast in the past. How's it going, Sheila? Great. I just got here, and I'm looking forward to uh, the day and speaking later at noon. Yeah, I noticed you got one of the coveted speaking gigs oh, at the Chronicle uh, Book Fair. And your book, uh, your historical novel, Imaginary Brightness. Uh, in fact, you have an interesting topic. What, uh, what are you going to tell the people about writing historical fiction? I'm going to be talking about the um, challenges of historical fiction in terms of relating facts to people in a way that's entertaining and not necessarily educational, which it's always easy to get into that bent, especially because I'm an educator. Uh, but I'm going to talk about that. And when there's lack of information, how do you try to make up for that in, in fiction and figure out the motivations behind people's actions, especially? And the uh, historical, uh, the fiction book that you've written, Imaginary Brightness, deals with the Durant family and the uh, Adirondacks, right? Yes, it's the first in a trilogy, and the second book should be coming out this spring, hopefully, if all goes well with my editor. And uh, that one's going to be called Castles in the Air, actually. And it'll be the second in the trilogy, and then, of course, there'll be a third. Well, thank you, Sheila. Thank you. Bob Cutmore again at the Chronicle Book Fair up in Glens Falls, Queensbury Hotel. And Russell Dunn is here, and uh, a familiar name to me. You write about, uh, among other things, The Great Sacandaga. That was my very first uh, book that I wrote. And uh, I was just so impressed with uh, the history of the lake. So my goal was to take that history, talk about it, and then build upon it all of these wonderful adventures that you can have. And I talked about places that most people thought didn't exist any longer, like the Italian gardens of Broad Alban and Torrey Rock and High Rock. Some of these things were very well known back in the uh, 19th century and then had fallen into obscurity. So my goal was to revive some of those images, bring them back to life. And you also did a book about Adirondack waterfalls? That was the first of seven waterfall guidebooks that I've written. So I'm up now to number seven, which is the entire state of Vermont. Believe me, that book almost broke my back. It was so hard to write in terms of the traveling involved. And what is your most recent project? My most recent project um, is in the field of stereography. I'm getting into doing stereographic 3D images. So, um, And I've been doing some work up at Ah Sable Chasm. Another two fellows and I put together a book. Uh, a, it's the definitive book on our Sable Chasm. And I became so impressed with the chasm that I took out my 3D camera and worked on doing anaglyph pictures. And another fellow and I put together a book called Our Sable Chasm in 3D. That's the first of a number of 3D books that will come out. This is really kind of beyond me. I don't, I don't know if I get it. I mean, you 3D images of Our Sable Chasm. It's... They're, 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 what are, they're called anaglyph pictures, meaning that uh, you take these cartoon-like 
glasses that are red and blue, sort of like the old 3D comics. And you put those glasses on, and you look at these images, and they pop right off the page at you. It's just amazing. And so many of these natural wonders really are meant to be seen not in two dimensions, but in three dimensions. And stereography gives you that third dimension that's so vital. Where are your uh, books available? In, in most of the regional bookstores. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. Here we are at the Chronicle Book Fair, and I was all excited because I thought the man I'm going to talk to now is named Dembski, as Izzy Dembski, which was one of the original names of Kirk Douglas, the actor. But tell us, sir, your, your name, and it really isn't Dembski. <laughs> Barry Dembski. Uh, now, how did he spell it? I believe they spelled it D-E-M-S-K-Y, but it was changed from Danielovich. You know, by whom I don't, don't know. I don't know if the family changed it or often, like, employers changed it. Yes. Well, it's interesting because I was a theatrical agent in New York and at the time. This was in the 60s. And I was book, I my sphere of influence was The Tonight Show, and Carson was then in New York. And he was on the show one night, and I had been told my whole life that he was a relative. <laughs> and he got on the elevator, and I got on the elevator. I planned it. Here we are in the elevator. He's got his guys there. And I said, uh, my name is Barry Damsky, and I'm from Ashley Famous Agency. I, I knew he would recognize the name. Right. It was a very respectable name in the business. And I said, and I've been told that you're, uh, you're a relative. And what did he say? I don't know. He was so clever. <laughs> He said, he, he didn't say he was a Dembski, no. But how he said it, I have no idea. He did it so cleverly. I got off and I, the elevator and I thought, I'm going to tell this to people. They're going to ask me what he said. And I don't know, <laughs> outside of the fact that he wasn't a Dembski. Well, he has that effect on people. But, but, but let's talk about you, Barry Dembski. The peas were cold, true stories from a life well lived. What is that? Well, I wrote, I lived in a small town in Boone, Booneville, New York, and uh, for 32 years, we just moved, as a matter of fact, to Whitesboro, which is outside of Utica. But when I was there, I wrote a column for the Booneville Herald. It's about 180-year-old, 175, somewhere in there, a year old story weekly, and every other week. And I uh, was told that I can write anything I want. So I wrote about my experiences. Uh, I didn't talk. I didn't write about the Kurt Douglas one, mm -hmm. but I talked about uh, the theatrical agency in New York. There were a lot of uh, funny and interesting things that happened. And then I wrote about. Uh, I tried being an actor in New York for five years. I wrote about that. I some of the experiences I had. I wrote about going out to California, opening up my own theatrical agency. Some of the experiences there, and moving back east to uh, Utica and then ending up in Boonville in radio. radio. <laughs> yes, it's in radio for eight years. And I wrote about that. And I'm a singer and a songwriter. And I wrote about that and my recording in Nashville. And, and I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm working on my second CD, gospel album. And uh, it should be uh, within the next several months, it should be done. Okay. I've been working on it for four years. Oh, good. Well, Barry Damsky, The Peas Were Cold's the book. Uh, where, where can people get it? They can uh, get it on uh, in the usual ways, Barnes & Noble. If, uh, it's, uh, it, now, if Barnes & Noble doesn't have it, they'll order it. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's you can get it in electronic form. The Peas Were Cold, it's all you got to just check it out, and it'll lead you. Or, here, better yet, I just thought of it. The answer is go to BarryDamsky.com. Sounds good. D-A-M-S-K-Y, B-A-R-R-Y.com. In the words of Kirk Douglas, I am Spartacus. Well, I'm not really, but thanks very much. <laughs>
sure. And at the Chronicle Book Fair, who shall we see but fellow broadcaster Chuck D'Imperio. What are you doing here, remote? No, I wish I was. I have to have a big ball of tinfoil to get up that, uh, pick that up in Oneonta. I brought my upstate New York books here. I know you and I have done a couple of these together. They're always fun. This is a big one up here, 120 authors. It's going to be fun. Have you done this a number of times? I've done this. This is my second or third time. I'm not sure. It's always a good show. I know that in my area, in the Amsterdam, New York area, you're well known for your museum or your unknown museum book. Uh, tell us about that one. You know, that's been a fun book, The Unknown Museums of Upstate New York, A Guide to 50 Treasures. I found 50 smaller museums in upstate New York. I mean, a year to write, I went around, I interviewed them, and uh, really some great little secrets. I'll tell you an interesting thing. Uh, three months ago, I got a call from the University of Massachusetts. They said, we are familiar with your Unknown Museums of Upstate New York book. You want to do one for Massachusetts. So we signed, and I'm now now exploring and finding out about the little-known museums of Massachusetts. There used to be one in Dalton that was had to do with money because Crane & Company was there, and they made the paper for the money. I've already been there. Have you? Uh-huh. The, it's a fantastic spot. In the back of the Crowhorse Crane uh, paper does uh, invitations for the White House and yeah, for the yeah. Queen of England and all of that, and they have a little paper-making museum in the back. I spent an afternoon there. It was fascinating. Very good. Well, Chuck D'Imperio, thanks very much. Always good to see you, Bob. You're a legend. I'm glad to be here in the same room with you. Chuck D'Imperio is way too modest. His book on unusual museums has become a popular choice for upstate New York history fans. Ask a staff member about an unusual display at the National Bottle Museum in Boston Spa, and he'll direct you to the privy of old bottles found in outhouses. More interested in cobblestones? There's a museum for that. Cheese, jello, classic cars, they're all covered as well in fascinating museums located throughout the state. Unknown Museums of Upstate New York is an informative and entertaining guide to 50 small, often overlooked regional museums. Even those familiar with the upstate area will likely have never visited and perhaps never heard of some of them such as the Catskill Fly Fishing Museum, the Kazoo Museum, and the Robert Louis Stevenson Cottage and Museum. The Imperio tells each museum's story, plus providing information on ticket prices, hours of operation, and travel directions. One of the institutions profiled is the Walter Elwood Museum in my hometown of Amsterdam, started by world traveler and local school teacher Walter Elwood. Chuck D'Imperio's book, Unknown Museums of Upstate New York. And here at the uh, Chronicle Book Show in Glens Falls, John uh, Briggs is with us from Scotia. And, you know, I, I just went to a panel discussion where you were the moderator. What? Uh, tell us about your, your books that have to do with history. Okay, I've written three books about history. They're all biographies, uh, and they're all written for young people, pretty much fifth, sixth, seventh grade, somewhere in there. Um, the first one is about Mary Dyer, who was the first woman in America to be executed for her religious beliefs. And her death actually launched the religious tolerance movement in the United States. Really? Yeah. I mean, what, what were the circumstances of that? I mean, I, I know of people who were executed because they were witches. Is that what we're talking about here? Uh, no, although the man who signed her death warrant actually founded the town of Salem, Massachusetts. Now, Mary's crime was being a Quaker, and that was it. It was illegal in Boston at that time to be a Quaker. Mary had been a Puritan, she converted, and because she was a Quaker, they executed her. So this is a book that you've written, and it's specifically for children, you said? Yeah, she's a, it's the first children's book about her, actually. Really? And she's sort of a forgotten civil rights leader that I thought kids should know about. 
And you have a couple of others in your hand. What are a couple of the other titles? Well, the other one's a name everybody knows. Judy Garland, Little Woman, Big Talent. But it turns out this is also the first children's book about Judy Garland. Really? Believe it or not, there was one joint biography of her and Mickey Rooney, but this is the first children's book about her, and it's really about her struggles in Hollywood. I thought a lot of girls could really identify with how they criticized her for her weight and her looks and her height. And so it was just about her, you know, her unwillingness to give up. Mm. So it's a book about perseverance for girls, mostly. Is this how you make your living? Actually, I make my living as a book editor, but I've worked in publishing for about 20 years. Okay. And so you've branched out to write books yourself? Yes, and I've signed with some other big uh, big publishers uh, for children's books. But yeah, this is just a little sideline. Now, we did this uh, panel discussion on writing about history, and did I maybe misconstrue this, but you actually end up selling a lot of books out of the country? Yeah, well, the Pete Seeger book, I sell a lot out of the country. Mary Dyer sells a lot in England as well. Um, the Judy Garland book mostly sells in the Midwest and the South. Ohio, they love her in Ohio. Oh, and I didn't ask you about Pete Seeger. You have a children's book about uh, yep. Pete Seeger. And this is the first children's book about Pete Seeger called Pete Seeger, The People's Singer. And it's really mostly about his civil rights accomplishments, how he taught Martin Luther King the song We Shall Overcome, how he cleaned up the Hudson River, all those things that he did beyond his music. Well, John Briggs, I thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Bob. Here's more information on John Briggs, a fascinating man who lives in Scotia, his books for children include Mary Dyer, Friend of Freedom, the first children's book about the Boston martyr who gave her life for her beliefs. Find out how this quiet Quaker woman and strong-willed civil rights leader inspired religious freedom in America. Judy Garland, Little Woman, Big Talent, is the first biography of the legendary performer written specifically for young readers. It follows Judy's life from small-town Minnesota to her rise to fame as Kansas farm girl Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Pete Seeger, The People's Singer, is the first children's book about the legendary folk singer and civil rights activist. Pete hoped to bring people of all types together through the music he loved. John Briggs' upcoming books include Why It Was the Wild West and Jim Thorpe. And his first picture book is in the offing. It will be called Leaping Lemmings. And uh, at the Chronicle Book Fair, here's our uh, old uh, friend David Fisk, who writes about Solomon Northrup and uh, writes about the history of Boston and many other things. In fact, you've helped me a lot in my history writing. Well, I try to steer th th things your way when it uh, has to do especially with uh, Amsterdam and Johnstown and so forth. So... I've given you a few tips over the years. I guess so. Yep. So at, at this particular show, I mean, is it your, I would think your Solomon Northrop book would still get the most attention or, or, or not? Uh, you get a lot of interest in it. Of course, uh, a lot of local people bought it the first year I had it out. Um, so I had a number of people today that said, oh, I already have that book. Yeah. Uh, but I am working on one that's going to be out in a few months. It wasn't ready for today. But uh, about other people that were kidnapped and sold as slaves because Northrop was by no means the only person that that happened to. So that, I think, will get uh, quite a bit of attention because it covers a lot of different northern states and even southern states where people were, uh, free people were kidnapped. Uh, and it's kind of tie into the Salmon Northrop, and people that saw the movie may think it was just isolated incident, but it wasn't at all. Now, you in, uh, also in particular write about Boston or southern Saratoga or Saratoga County in general? Right. I did uh, uh, some articles about Boston Spa area and especially personalities uh, from that 
uh, region that we used to get published in Boston Spa Life. There was a newspaper that uh, the Saratogian put out for specifically for Boston Spa, uh, but that hasn't published for a while. So now I, I do some on the uh, New York History blog that uh, could be uh, a number of different areas from the state, not just the Saratoga County area. But uh, um, so I keep I keep my hand in some. I do walking tours, mm-hmm. some of Boston Spa, and point out. Uh, some of the interesting facts behind the buildings that are there. And you had had a career working uh, in history or in education for the state. Well, I was a librarian. I wasn't really involved specifically in history, but I did work at the state library, and I worked at uh, uh, the college library, and I also did training and so forth. But I always had an interest in history, so uh, this kind of builds on that. I'm semi-retired now, but I am doing more kind of research and writing that I uh, had always wanted to do. One uh, final question, maybe to wrap up our uh, program here, t- talking from the Chronicle Book Fair. You kind of convinced me to come, and I must say it was a worthwhile experience. You know, sold a couple of books, but it, it really was maybe more of a, of a networking experience. You talked to a lot, a lot of people interested in history. What, what, what did you find? I mean, how did, would you rate, or what uh, was the experience for you today? Right. Well, I know I, I touched base uh, with some people I hadn't seen for a while, and I, uh, as I mentioned, I do some articles for the New York History blog, and I saw uh, Lawrence Gooley that does a lot of articles for that blog, too, and met him in person. And I uh, saw some people I only really see once a year at this event and had a chance to jawbone with a few people here and there and learned a few uh, gossipy kinds of things about... Uh, local events. So it, uh, it's quite an experience, and uh, uh, it was a beautiful day to be up here. Yeah, it, was a, it was a great uh, deal, the Chronicle Book Fair. David Fisk, uh, thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome, Bob. Thanks to all our guests from the Chronicle Book Fair. David Fisk, John Briggs, Chuck D'Imperio, Barry Damsky, Russell Dunn, Sheila Myers, Jim Labatt, Don Papson, Larry Gooley, and book fair organizer Kathy Deedy from the Chronicle newspaper. Speaking of books, I have a new one. It's called Lost Mohawk Valley, talking about changes in Mohawk Valley life, such as the loss of the carpet industry, whole chapter and many pictures on the carpet industry in Amsterdam, New York. The cover of the book shows you the Fort Johnson Athletic Association speed skating team. These guys were great competitors, especially in the late 1930s and 1940s. One of them even made it to the Olympics in 1940, but the uh, trivia question from uh, that year, there were no Olympics in 1940, so although Gene Gage made it to the Olympic team, uh, he did not actually compete in the Olympics. The book includes the story of a local artist, Jesse Zoller, sharing a special bond with musician John Philip Sousa. The Tamarack Playhouse was once the venue of spectacular theatricals. And as time goes by, there are fewer alumni to remember Amsterdam's Bishop Scully High School. These are all stories contained in Lost Mohawk Valley. And my books are widely available. The Old Peddler's Wagon in Amsterdam often has a book special uh, going on for the Bob Cudmore books. Your uh, chance to get something else if you uh, buy a book. So 
uh, keep aware of that, the old peddler's wagon located at 175 Church Street in Amsterdam. Dan Weaver at his Bookhound bookstore on East Main Street in Amsterdam sells the books. So do the good folks at Mysteries on Main in Johnstown, right there on Main Street. And Janet Hutchison and her gallant crew at the Open Door bookstore located on the J Street Pedestrian Mall in Schenectady. And my books, uh, Lost Mohawk Valley, Hidden History of the Mohawk Valley, Stories from the Mohawk Valley, and You Can't Go Wrong, are also available at Amazon.com. And you can find out information online at my website, which is BobCudmore.com. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.